This is the daily lectionary comments for July the 3rd. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 8, the destruction of Ai, and uh, Acts chapter 11. Uh, what happened uh, when Peter reported what, uh, Cornelius's conversion to the church. Okay, this account of the fall of Ai from uh, Joshua chapter 8 is notable for a few reasons. Uh, let's... Um, First off, just note how long it is. It's a rather lengthy and detailed description of how the the battle actually went. And I'm going to come back to that in a little bit because we're not being told all of this just for its historical accuracy. But there's interesting picture that is being presented before us, and we'll return to that in just a second. The second um, a notable feature, you'll remember that in, in, the, in the destruction of Jericho, everything was to be destroyed except certain uh, uh, valuable implements that were to be kept for the treasury of the Lord. In this case, um, all the people are to be destroyed, but the, the, um, all the treasures and plunder, so the animals and the, and the uh, valuables of the city, the Israelites were to keep for themselves. So why the difference? And that's because Jericho was the first city, and, and so its treasures were seen something as a first fruits offering to the Lord. So the first uh, fruits of the conquest of the land would go to the Lord, and then after that, um, the, the, uh, the, the fruits of, or the spoils of war would go to the Israelites. So that's, that's the second, uh, second thing. <clears throat> the third thing that I want to remind you of, a couple of days ago when we talked about uh, the destruction of Jericho and the, the difficult subject of the devotion of the, the whole devotion of the city completely to the Lord. In other words, everybody was to be killed. That being such a difficult thing for us to deal with. So we have situations similar to that here in, in I. All the people are uh, to be killed. But I want you to note that on the one hand, you say it was so surprising that God would sentence all of them to death like this. But this really is not very surprising if you think about it. They had already been sentenced to death. In fact, all of us have been sentenced to death. Everybody is going to die under the judgment of God. The only judgment here, particular to I, is that they were to die at this time and in this way. And that's it. Note that hanging over this entire world is its total destruction on the last day. The only thing that will survive are God's people. Everything else will be completely destroyed. So note then that, uh, that this is a little bit of a picture of what's coming upon the entire world. What's come upon Jericho, what's come upon I, ultimately is going to come upon the entire world. Now, last thing I want to remark here is, um, it, it has to do with why the passage is so long, but also the very interesting parallel between this passage here, capture of I, and, uh, and Exodus chapter 14, the crossing of the Red Sea. Note that uh, the, the, way, the way the battle is carefully choreographed and described for us, you've got the, the armies that are laying uh, in wait to ambush, and then you've got the, the army that Joshua was leading that camped right in front of the city. And so we are told that when the when the uh, inhabitants of Ai and the soldiers and I saw Joshua and the others out there in front, they assumed that this was going to be a defeat for the Israelites like the first time the Israelites had attempted to attack. And they were drawn out of the city and out into the wilderness pursuing what, what turned out to be 
a feint. It wasn't real. But nevertheless, they, they went out there going after Joshua and his army, not realizing that behind them there was the larger force of the Israelites. Now, as the, uh, the soldiers of Ai approached Joshua and had gone out into the wilderness, so they had left their city and they were all, they left it bare and they were all by themselves out in the wilderness with only Joshua in front of him. It was at that point that God told Joshua to raise up uh, his javelin over the whole scene. And, and that would be the sign for what was about to happen. And when he did that, then the soldiers that were laying in ambush swarmed into the city and destroyed the city. And then when the soldiers who had gone out against, uh, against Joshua saw what was happening behind them, in other words, the smoke is rising up, then all of a sudden they realized that they were surrounded. And so it talks about how uh, they, they couldn't flee anywhere because essentially they were surrounded on all sides by Israelites. And Joshua is keeping his, his arm outstretched and the javelin over them as the Israelites attack from all sides. And it talks about how the soldiers from Ai fled in every direction but could not escape. And so then they were all destroyed there uh, in the wilderness, each one down to a man. And then the city itself was destroyed as well. And the point is made that Joshua did not lower his arm until <coughs> the last of the city had been devoted. The picture is, is parallel to the Egyptians going into the Red Sea uh, on dry land, chasing the Israelites. And, and uh, so in, on this fool's errand, the Lord had drawn them from safety out into the midst of the Red Sea. And then, and then Moses was commanded to raise up his staff, and that caused the sea to come crashing down on the Egyptians. And that passage in Exodus chapter 14 talks about how the Egyptians immediately were in panic because the water was coming at them from every side and they had nowhere to go. And of course, it just covered them over until every one of them was, was dead and, and Israel was free. In this case, Joshua is like the new Moses, but there's not a sea of water here. There's a sea of Israelites and essentially the, uh, the enemy, the people of Ai are, are drowned as it were in a sea of Israelites as, uh, as Joshua is holding up the javelin. And so we have this very detailed account meant to show us how the Lord had drawn the inhabitants of Ai out uh, into the midst of danger where they would be surrounded and destroyed. And, uh, and so the lengthy and rather detailed uh, description here. We're not going to get such detailed descriptions of later battles. They're going to be much more uh, uh, briefly related. Acts chapter 11. We finally reach the um, conclusion to this whole saga relating to Cornelius and Peter, where Cornelius gets visited by an angel and, and Peter gets visited by an angel and has a vision. And then the two of them are brought together. And then finally, Peter goes to Cornelius's house after having had this vision and learned from this vision that the Lord shows no favoritism. He goes into Cornelius's house. He preaches to them. And then you have the, the grand finale there where um, the Gentiles receive the word about Christ and the Holy Spirit is poured out on them just as it had been on the, on, on the uh, apostles. And Peter's conclusion is, well, if, if God has given them the Holy Spirit, uh, then how could we possibly not baptize them and receive them into the church? Now, our passage today 
introduces us to a group called the Circumcision Party. The Circumcision Party was, uh, was in this case, part of the church in, in uh, Jerusalem. And I don't want uh, you to think of the Circumcision Party as necessarily a hard and fast group of Christians in the early church. But essentially, it was this idea. All of the early Christians, no surprise here, were Jews. All of the early Christians were Jews, which means all of the early Christians were brought up to observe Jewish laws and customs. For example, observing the Sabbath uh, on uh, Saturday, observing the, the dietary codes of cleanliness and kosher and so on. Uh, they carefully observed these things and observing also, uh, the, for example, the practice of circumcision as the sign of the covenant. So every early Christian would have grown up with this completely ingrained in them. And the assumption is from those people that when they came to believe that Jesus was the Christ, their king, they continued to be Jewish, they continued to act Jewish, they continued to follow these same commandments, but now they believe in Jesus and believe that salvation was on account of his blood. But in, a, in terms of their lifestyle and the practice of their religion, they went on doing like they before. They were, they were a kind of Jew, in other words. Now what has happened is that Peter has visited a household of Gentiles, which Jews were raised not to do. Part of sort of keeping yourself clean and pure was to keep your distance from Gentiles unless they cleansed themselves and became Jews. Well, Cornelius had not done that. Cornelius was a God-fearer, but he had not undertaken uh, circumcision or the practice of, of, um, of Judaism. And yet Peter had gone to their house not observed the distinction between Jew and Gentile, had, had preached to them, had baptized them, and had fully received them into the church. And the Judaizers, well, they were sometimes called Judaizers as well as circumcision. They were, at least some of them were probably deeply offended by this. Others were probably not deeply offended, but greatly concerned. And others really didn't know what to make of this. At stake is, is Christianity going to be a kind of Judaism? Jews that believe in Jesus, or is the kingdom of God a brand new thing and the law of Moses really not binding upon these new Christians? And therefore, the, the gospel can go to Gentiles without having to concern the Gentiles with circumcision or any of the other matters of, of Jewish custom. Peter makes a compelling argument here that God has accepted these Gentiles without making them adopt the law of Moses and that we should do the same. And the passage ends with verse 18, when they had heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. You would think that this issue was resolved at that point. It wasn't. In fact, there's going to be a lot more scandal and difficulty. I don't want you to think of the circumcision party as, as non-Christian or as enemies or violent or anything like that. There were some of them that were difficult to deal with and had to be rooted out in the end. But for the most part, it was the church having to learn what it meant, that the gospel was meant for all nations and not just for Israel. And this did not happen quickly, but our, our lessons here in the next uh, 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 several, uh, uh, probably 10 or, or 12 passages or so, are going to be dealing in large part with this question. So. Uh, it begins with this very powerful, uh, this very powerful story, and we will see it build from there.